And now, and now, and now, and now for the big, 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 big guest. You are listening to the Schwabcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Schwabcast, where we talk about Houston and all the things that we love about it. It's a great city, and we are here to interview people who make it great as well. I am joined by my brothers, Matthew Schwab and David Schwab. I am Michael Schwab. Hey guys, I'm Matthew Schwab and I am a local automotive repair business owner here in town. Uh, born and raised here in Houston. Love the city so much. My name's Dave. I'm the eldest Schwab brother. And uh, you know, I, I, uh, I work for a tech company. I do a little illustration and design and comedy too. Uh, so hopefully I can do some of that for you listeners. Um, but uh, love Houston. It's a great town to grow up in and, um, you know, love my brothers. And here's the deal. We love the city. We love the food and we love the people. And so we want to highlight those things. But we're going to do different segments. We're going to do our interview segment. And then we got a special segment to kick it all off. And it's you're only from Houston if you know this. So let's talk about something that if you're from here, you would only know. It's that it's that road that road on the side of the highway, what is that called? Is it frontage? Is it frontage? I think, no. I've I seen frontage before. Are you talking about a shoulder? Like a shoulder? No. It's a shoulder. No. It's on-ramp. Median. On-ramp. The median? Me- median. No. no. Off-ramp. Is it a feeder? Feeder. feeder. If feeder you road. said That's feeder, right. if you said feeder, then you can keep listening to this podcast because you're a true <laughs> Houstonian. Everyone else... I don't know. Yeah, get out of here. Still get listen. Out of here. You still listen anyway, even if you didn't get it right. But you should still. But if you did get it right, keep listening. <laughs> I actually googled where did the term feeder come from, and it's hard to even find. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. That's just what Maybe I love about Houston. We commit to something that we don't even know why we're committing to it. And then mm-hmm. we just go all in and love it. It's like, no, it's a feeder road. If anything else, you're wrong. Exactly. I, I buy your stuff from Mattress Mac and no one else. That's what we do. In, in Houston, we do. In Houston, we do what we want. It, you don't want a downtown downtown. Let's create another downtown somewhere else. Let's put a skyscraper in another part of town. We do what we want in Houston. Are you talking about it's the like, Transco Tower, Michael? I'm or talking, Dave? You're I am about talking the Transco about the Transco Tower. Michael, Matthew, it's... Freckles, Amy. <laughs> I'm talking about the Transco Tower. That's one of the best things because if you if you know a true Houstonian, is that when they see that tower near near uh, Galleria, they say that's Transco, not Williams Tower. One hundred percent. But it had a new name. I What's a Williams Tower? Get out of here! If Get you think it's Williams Tower, keep listening to the podcast. But and it's not that. And did you know that Joel Olstein preaches in the summit every Sunday? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Mike, tell us about our first guest, man. Well, we got ourselves a great guest. You can only have the best when you're having the first episode. We're getting Lance McCullers from the Houston Astros to talk to us about the city, to talk about baseball, and maybe talk some UFC. We'll see. Lance McCullers, welcome to the podcast. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Glad that we can make it happen. What is it about the city that makes it so special? What is it about Houston that sticks out to you? I don't know, man. It grabbed me the first time I, uh, 
I flew in here. Um, I, I landed in, uh, I landed at George Bush when I got my call up. I've been to Houston before, you know, I, um, I signed when I signed, I came here for like a little press conference and I did the whole, um, signy thing. You know, you, you, you know, the press conference and you have like your little locker and you throw a bullpen. If you're a hitter, you hit BP. I did that whole, I did a whole shindig. Um, but something about when I, when I got called up here in 2015, I was driving in from, um, you know, the Bush airport and I caught that first look at downtown and that was special for me. And I still remember that moment. Um, that, that, that moment for me, I was like, wow, this, this place is beautiful. Do you have like a favorite restaurant or like if you a have people, restaurants? I mean, there's so many, it's known for having such a great scene. Yeah, man. For, for like brunch, um, for brunch, I really like vibrant, uh, over there in Montrose. I love vibrant. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I go to Tiny's number five right here um, a lot. The, the Tiny's are uh, they're that, that they have the two locations here, and the the they're they're awesome. Love it there. Um, I also really love Real right there in uh, Montrose. Um, Uchi, like I, I I remember the first time I ever had Uchi. It was like a life changing experience. Um, MF Sushi, I used to go to a lot. I go to local foods every single day. Uh, I go get a, at least a nitro, a nitro at least once a day, sometimes twice, and eat um, a lot of stuff over there from local food. So really, man, this city is just—it's filled with it. You can never, you can never get enough. Uh, I could go on for—I could just keep naming restaurants over and over again. If you, if people wanted to to find Lance McCullers, they'd go to local local food. If you, we'll if people there. wanted to find me, they they would go to local foods in in Rice Village, right okay. there off Dunstan. Can't miss right, me. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the car and go to local foods real quick. <laughs> yeah, I want to come find you. <laughs> Give me some I nitro. Got a, I got a question, Lance. So, if if I if if you see a fan or a fan sees you at local foods, what's like? What's you know? What's what's the go to to like? come up and say hi to you is it give you a high five a fist bump you know the selfie like how how do you want fans to say hi to you um well most people i uh i catch i catch side eyeing that's the first move <laughs> i'm guilty of that man you i'm guilty side eyeing and sometimes if they're with someone they'll kind of tap them and then they'll say like yo and i'm like i can see you guys yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm, everyone in Houston has been so good. I haven't really, I haven't had one, I would say like off-putting experience meeting people here. It's always the whispers. Like that's the guy that threw 24 straight curveballs versus the Yankees, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, I get that though. That's, that's one thing people like to talk about. Uh, that, that, that's a popular one. Was that just on purpose? Like let's just, let's troll the Yankees with 24 straight curveballs. So actually it's, it, there's a story behind it. Um, I actually wanted to start that game. I had begged AJ to have me start that game. Um, but I came into that game. Uh, it was really one of my, you know, first relief appearances um, ever. And in the seventh inning, I struck out, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, Castro. And I kind of landed awkward on my left leg a little bit. And so I went down into the dugout, into the tunnel, and um, Jeremiah, he's our head strength, uh, he's our head uh, athletic trainer with the Astros, and I was down into the tunnel, and he comes down there, and I'm kind of like moving around, stretching my hip out a little bit. He's like, yo, man, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know, I, I kind of landed weird, and my hips got a little like pinch in it, nothing serious, you know, just, it was bothersome in the moment. So he stretched it out, he goes, oh, you, you know, you should be good to go, you're fine. 
So I go back out there and I'm throwing my warm up pitches and it's kind of bothering me a little bit. And so I walk the first guy I faced on four straight pitches. I'm not, I'm not sure who it was. Uh, I walked him on four straight pitches and then Chase Headley comes up and I throw two straight balls again. And Brian McCann runs out. I was like, bro, what's going on? I'm like, dude, my hip. And he's like, all right, let, let's, let's, let's mix it up. We've thrown six straight heaters. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's just throw a curveball here. I'm like, all right, cool. So I throw it, and I don't know if it was the way I landed, the footing, the way I was throwing that night, whatever it was, zero problem on the breaking ball. And I'm like, whoa. And so McCann kind of looks at me, and I was like, you know, it felt fine. So at that point on, it was just like, Curveballs, because that basically it, it got. I was it was bothering me to throw anything else. So then I was just th- start throwing the curveballs, and obviously it became to the point where they just no one was hitting it. So we're like, let's just keep rolling with it. Twenty four straight, and then you you close out the AL pennant. And what does that feel like? I mean, that just totally just to be on the mound when that happens. That playoff for me was was personally a little bit of redemption. Um, from kind of had some things that had gone on internally that um, I was kind of um, kind of broke free from. And then um, that moment, it kind of all came to a head and, you know, be able to celebrate with our teammates like that. And then, um, you know, our families were all there. It was just, it was just really cool. That was probably, that's probably, that'll probably be the best like individual moment, I think, in my career. I mean, it was an incredible moment, and, and, and you also were dealing with a stress fracture in your back in a partially torn UCL, right? Yes, I was. So, peop- so people don't realize how much of a badass you are. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I had torn my UCL in 2016, and um, you know, I pitched in 17 with it. I hadn't had any really issues with it, but my back started to kind of go, and I found out way later actually that it had been um it was a a stress fracture but at the time we really didn't know what was going on it was just bothering me um so i it, it was it was like i said that moment for me was was personally uh gratifying because uh i kind of felt like um you know i i i i, I proved who i proved myself i showed who i was in, in those moments but also because i had a lot of guys on the team i was just so close with and we really wanted to you know do it that year with harvey and everything and um, like I said, I, I think I, I'm hoping that in my career I'll, I'll have heights like that again. But I don't think you can recreate kind of the magic that happened in those couple innings. Well, I, I wanted to ask you first a question on that note. I, I don't think as as fans we realize what playing through pain is like. What's your headspace when you're just when you're your back just everything feels completely terrible. And you're like, I can't go out there. I mean, what's what's that like? Because from the from the TV, you're like, dude, just get out there, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Like, we don't really understand. Oh, yeah. What's the mentality behind? That's just kind of that's kind of the territory too, you know. I mean, even I catch myself even doing it sometimes, like um, when I like have my fantasy team and I need like like one guy to like do stand, exactly exactly. Let's like, go, man. Come on, I need <laughs> I need eight points. Like, just give me my nine, give me my eight points, you know. And wife's like, seriously. You hear, like, seriously. But, um, you know, it, it's just one of those things where everyone, I think, for the most part, I mean, there's been a few guys in my career that I've played with that have just gone whole seasons, and I mean, everything just falls in line, and there's there's no aches and pains, and it's just, you know, you're, you're, every, every game is just, you feel like he's on cruise control. I've seen some guys do that. But for me, you know, I, I've, had, I've had stretches like that. I have never had a full season like that, obviously. 
and I've tried to pitch through a lot of stuff. I've pitched through a lot of things that if I would have just taken its time out of the get-go, I probably would never had um, problems down the road. But that's being young and that's being dumb, you know. Uh, that's that's kind of how it goes. In 2016, I had that shoulder problem out of spring training. If I would have just let it chill and I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have pushed it, I don't think I would have ever messed my elbow up. And uh, you know that that cost me a lot of time. It cost me, um, you know, a, a lot of time and a lot of money. Uh, you know, trying to pitch through those things. So as a player, you know, you feel, um, you know, you feel like you're you're trying to do it for the guys around you and for the you know the the team that you're the city that you're representing. And sometimes it, it, it goes well, like the 17 playoffs. And sometimes you go out there like I did against the Angels because um, I didn't want to tell the team the day of that I couldn't start and you don't get an out. And then you actually screw everybody. So, you know, it's it's kind of a two-edged sword. Wait, so do you have like hype-up music that like when you're working out or like when you go out on the mound or like when you're, when you're in the bullpen before you go out there, that kind of gets you hyped up? Well, I've done everything. I've tried everything. I've tried pump up music. I've tried relaxing. I've tried pregame meditation. I've tried, you know, staying completely relaxed and, and, and not, you know, thinking about it. I've tried playing video games with the same squad, you know, every single night before I pitch. Um, to, I, you know, I've tried being so not superstitious that that becomes a superstition. Uh, not being super, like doing everything different. So, I mean, I, I, honestly, everything. I, I, when I first came up, um, I started. I was I, in that year in 2015. I started the year up by going to watch movies before my start time because in the minor leagues, you're in these cities and you're like, "Ain't nothing to do." Um, could die if I venture off too much. Um, so you're like, "I'm just gonna go to a movie theater." That summer, I don't remember exactly what the movies were, but there were like a bunch of Marvel movies. Or like movies were just popping off. So I started going before my starts, and I started shoving in double A. So I came up to the big leagues, and I was like, well, I got to go see a movie every single time before I pitch. Bro, I was getting up at like 7.40 in the morning to catch a 9 o'clock screening before a day game, leaving like during the movie because I had to go to the theater. Like, bro, it got bad at one point. So now, I don't know. I, I try to just stay loose and... um you know, I, I know what I have to do. I think that's where I'm at in my career. Like, like I know what I have to do, and, um, you know, I try to just go and do it. Well, also just talking about that, like, just pushing through. It, it seemed like 2020 was that season for everyone in major leagues that they were just trying to get through it. Can you talk a little bit about the headspace in there? I mean, from, from a fan's perspective, many people watched and said, yeah, we're happy to have baseball. But from a player perspective, it seemed like, it really was a struggle just getting into the game and making it happen. It was a it was a weird year. You know, we had the cheating scandal. Um, a lot of guys were trying to escape that. A lot of new guys that were on our team, we didn't have that many guys on the team left anyway from from that year. But it's like if you wore Astros colors and you were, had nothing to do with that with that part of that you know history, you were hated more than guys that were there and were you know were elsewhere. Um, so I just felt like it was a weird year to, and then with COVID, I mean, that was obviously a nightmare. So, you know, I think it just took us a little bit to get going. Um, and I think it took some guys to a little bit to, you know, kind of find themselves again, you know, uh, um, you know, amongst all of the, all of the noise and how to, you know, kind of deal with that because we're people, I mean, this, you know, if this was 1997, I don't think it would, guys would care that much, but you know, 2020, 2021, I mean, you can't go anywhere with, you know, without, 
you know, seeing the noise, um, you know, uh, uh, around on social or on TV, you know, whatever the case is. So I think it just took, was a little adjustment period for guys to learn how to navigate that and, 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 you know, feel ready to, to go again. And, and we, we really came on strong at the end and, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing again. I'm looking forward to being with the team. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad there's going to be some fans there at least. And it seems like around baseball, they're going to be pushing for, um, for fans. And so we'll, uh, we'll see what that's like. Yeah. T- so 2021 is going to be awesome. After 2021 free agency, you want to be with this team long-term. What, what's the story, Lance? We know you love Houston. If you know me, uh, if you're a friend or my family or, you know, uh, the Astros, the front, I mean, the Astros know, I mean, they know where I want to be. They know that I want to wear, you know, the Astros colors forever. Um, you know, I want to help bring another world series here. Um, you know, I want to help, you know, build, you know, this organization, you know, back up and, um, you know, we, we, we've, we've laid a lot of roots here. Um, you know, so if, 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 if it was up to me, I would just walk in there and, you know, with, with my own contract and just sign it, uh, and, and call <laughs> oh, that, that, you know, it's easy. um, but I think the Astros know that, um, I want to be here. I think that th- I've shown that. Um, and if they, if, if I'm in their plans moving forward, a lot of that stuff c- kind of gets hashed out in spring training and, um, you know, maybe even the first half of the year. So if I'm in there, if I'm in their plans moving forward, um, if they see me here, then, then I will be, uh, because, you know, I don't want to play for any you know anybody else or anywhere else. That's awesome, Lance. That's you awesome. So That's great. Yeah. You know, the short answer is absolutely. The long answer is um, both sides have to have to want that same thing. Tell us about the LMJ Foundation. Tell us tell us about your foundation. We basically kind of formed these like pillars, so to speak, of our foundation, and basically the pillars are like pet adoption. And, um, you know, like pet adoption here in Houston, which is the, the fosters getting the dogs out of the shelters, posting those dogs, trying to, you know, get as many people in Houston to go and get these dogs that, that, that need help. The second kind of, uh, you know, foundation of our, you know, foundation of our foundation would be, it's called the second chance fund. So there are a lot of dogs that come into the Houston shelters, um, that, um, are hurt they're, They've gotten shot, stabbed, thrown out of cars, run over, um, tied up and have just been abused basically. And unfortunately the budgets, these city, uh, you know, shelters are working on, they want to save all the animals they can, but if they spend, you know, $1,500 in every dog that comes in that's injured, how many more dogs on the back end are they not going to be able to save because of that? We've done 175 second chance pups that have been saved, and uh, that's been about $92,000 through our foundation that we've spent on, on those pups. Um, so those are 175 um, dogs, some cats, but mostly dogs that would have been put down immediately. And as you can see, $92,000, it is expensive, but we thought it was worth it. You know, we thought those animals are no, um, they're not inferior to any other animal. It's not their fault they were shot or stabbed or whatever the case is. Um, and then our third pillar was kind of um, the root of the problem, which is um, which is not spay and neutering your animals. Um, you know, there, there's there's a graphic I saw one time that like one female cat that's not spayed and neutered that's you know out you know out and about her her like chart of kids and then their kids and it's like twenty thousand cats in that one 
female cat's lifetime. Now, if we had 20,000 people that wanted to take in some cats, let's go for it. But unfortunately, there's just not that, there's not that demand. So let's, you know, spay and neuter these animals. So we, we sponsored some local spay and neuter events. We've, we try to, um, you know, really give people the information they need. Um, we did three different events where people were bringing their dogs and animals into um, basically like um, free clinics for the day to get spayed and neutered. So that was um, one, another, you know, pillar of ours we wanted to touch. And then it was the, the transports, which is our, which is our biggest. Um, it's, our, it's our absolute biggest. We teamed up with Rescue Pet Movement. We teamed up with um, Pet Set right here in Houston, and um, it was a lot of work to get everything in motion. But basically, they had the fa- they already had the groundwork done. They needed sp- they needed someone who could pay for it. So we have to, up to date. We spent over one hundred fifty thousand um, dollars to Houston Transport Programs, and over sixty five thousand animals um, have been saved via um, that program um, in just uh, about uh, you know really three years. So it is every year we're doing more, um, you know, every, every single, we, we, even in during the pandemic in 2020, um, we still transported over, um, about 16,000 animals, which is the most to date, um, you know, just for our, our ground transports. Um, and then we also do some disaster relief when the hurricane hit, um, down there in Louisiana, we sent some people from our foundation down there and they got with the local, um, animal rescue groups and we send off a couple of emergency transports, um, out of the city. Um, you know, so, you know, we're kind of everywhere, uh, with, with our foundation and we've had three events now in Houston and, um, we've also donated over um, about $200,000 to sunshine kids, um, through, through that event as well. So, um, you know, you guys know sunshine kids from, uh, the, the BGO days. What does giving back mean to you? And, and I mean, you know, I've, I've heard it, I've heard the term giving your life away, right? It's your time, your resources, your money. Um, and, and you're obviously benefiting this organization and these puppies, which is just amazing, but how has that benefited you? What, what have you taken away from that season of giving back? Honestly, you know, it's funny because I, I honestly believe this to be true is that, I'm held in a lot higher regard in a lot of people's minds um, in this city for the the effort that you know we put in off the field versus versus on, um, and that that's really cool for me. And uh, I I said it a long time ago. You know I, I tell people all the time. You know um, maybe uh, I don't know maybe the the dog you know maybe the the dogs that I saves family you know will tell their kids the story of their dog and how they got their dog. And by that point, I'm going to be this old crusty guy. I'm not going to be playing baseball anymore. Um, you know, or maybe, you know, through the big brothers and big sisters program that I work with here in Houston, I'm, I'm the, I'm their ambassador. Maybe one of the kids that it comes to our um, event that gets, you know, uh, Christmas gifts and thing of that nature will, will tell their kids, you know, you know, that story. And, you know, part of me will, will be in those stories, right? So like handing down, like you leave the, like your impact that you leave is, is, you know, is what people is the legacy that you leave behind. It's not really wins and losses. Um, that's some of it. I mean, unless you're Babe Ruth, um, at the end of the day, you're not going to be, you know, you know, remembered for, you know, what you do on the field. You're going to remember a lot of, you know, the people that you impact. So for me, I just always wanted to try to impact as many people, um, as I could. And during my time in this game, because I have a platform now and I, I've seen it. I mean, even the, the guys that are like the most famous after they're done playing, like you're not playing anymore. Like that platform leaves. Um, 
you know, uh, kids would rather have, you know, someone's autograph that's playing than like Barry Bonds, which is mind boggling, but that's just how it is. Like time passes people by. And so, you know, my, my goal and hope is to just impact people on a, you know, very, you know, personal level. And, um, for me, like these are passions of mine. So it's, and I feel like it's just my way of, of, of saying thanks for, um, you know, supporting me and, you know, me being able to do this is cool. I mean, if I wasn't playing baseball, I don't know, I don't know what I would be doing. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, it's too late for me to be a, um, you know, a, a seventh, eighth year senior at this point. So I, I don't know what I would be doing or how I would be, give, you know, giving back or being my impact, but, um, you know, this is, it, it, it's, it's great for me to be able to do it, especially when, when I have the platform to do it and, and can reach, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people. We got to talk, uh, we got to talk UFC, Lance. So it seems you like UFC, right? <laughs> I like, yeah, yeah. I like UFC way more. I mean, I, I grew up uh, watching boxing. I, I, um, Oscar De La Hoya. I grew up watching, um, watching Oscar, um, uh, uh, quite a lot. Roy Jones was, I was a fan of, and like in the mid two thousands when the Chuck Liddell rage kind of hit, um, everyone, well, at least me, um, that was like when the tap out shirts were like super popular. I, I never wore one. So I'm proud to say that I never actually wore a tap out shirt. Um, Thank you I would have worn one, but no one bought one for me. So, um, that's also kind of a, of a, a, a two-sided story, but um, then it was like the Anderson Silva and like the John Jones um, eras kind of began, and then I was kind of just hooked. And so, you, you know, you and Carlos, you call yourself brothers. When did you guys realize that MMA was your thing and then like, hey, we're going to start a podcast? When, when did that happen? Yeah, it's funny because I had known Carlos. I played with Carlos in a couple of showcase tournaments, Um but you know you're I'm, you're young, you don't know anyone, so you're you're kind of shelled up, I, I guess. And I guess if you're shelled up and you, you're not talking to everybody, um, you know people kind of look at you one way or the other way. I don't really know, but you know I I had played with them. We never really knew each other that well. I knew he was obviously a, a great player, but um, that first day in spring, the first day we signed, I signed like a week after Carlos. I walked down. We were staying at the Holiday Inn. I walked down to 6, 6 a.m., the buffet breakfast. Um, the oatmeal was so runny that it was like, I mean, it was brutal. So I, we, got, we got our food, sat down, and I didn't know who else to sit with. There was no one there. And so Carlos was sitting there kind of by himself. So I, I, I was like, hey, bro, I'm Lance. And his English wasn't that good at the time. He's like, I'm Carlos. And I was like, uh, you want to ride me to the field? And he was like, yeah. And that was it. That, that, that's the end of that. We rode to each other every single day to and from the ballpark. Um, started watching fights together uh, pretty much right away um, in, in the minor leagues. And we roomed together our, uh, our first year um, and in, in low way, which was, which was awesome. And we had a, we had a great, uh, great, we were roommates on the road. So uh, him and I have been, um, we've, we, we've been, we've been BFFs from, from the jump. Man, that's awesome. And then so the walkout came out of this, you know, friendship. You, you, when did you start the walkout again? Yeah, so actually we were talking about doing it um, last offseason after my rehab. After I was done with my rehab, we, we went and watched the Masvidal-Diaz flight. So actually I had to finagle my rehab so I could have an off day um, before my last live so I could fly to New York and watch the, um, the Diaz uh the Masvidal fight with Carlos. So we sat, we, thanks to Carlos, Carlos is way more, you know, obviously he's 
Carl's super famous. Um, so he got us front row tickets. We were sitting like at the octagon and we, the pandemic hit and, and we, we were like, bro, we should just, we should just do it. We should just, just, we, I was like all over the internet buying random shit. I didn't know what I was buying. I didn't know what camera I was like, this looks good. It's expensive. Like, you know, we're just buying anything and everything. So we're probably still in the hole. Um, we are with Sirius XM now, so you know we're we're we we got a little gig going now with, with them. So we're starting to climb out of that out of that out of that hole. So when can when can people expect to hear your podcast? What day? What what? Channel? It's on Thursdays on Sirius XM uh, Fight Nation. It's on like the the channel. Uh, if you have Sirius XM, it's it's in the hundreds somewhere. I've listened I've listened to it quite a few times. Like not our podcast on. I've listened to that like show, the Fight Nation channel, and then you know it's on our Instagram. We have the Walkout Podcast Instagram. We post a lot of our episodes it's on. It's on you know pod. It's it's on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you guys typically watch you know, listen to your podcast. It's there. Um, so there's some awesome fights coming up, and during our spring training months, we will be doing episodes for all of them. We do a basically one a week. So, um, yeah, you guys can check it out pretty much anywhere. So Lance, people don't know this about you, but you're left-handed, right? Yep. I do everything else left-handed than throw. I eat lefty. I play golf lefty. Um, I hit lefty. Um, I, I do majority. I, I sign, I write righty, I throw righty, I shoot a basketball righty, and then everything else is pretty much lefty. Okay. So you hit lefty. We got to bring this up real quick. You hit lefty better than Josh Reddick, right? Well, I know it's not, not better, better than, than Josh, Josh Reddick. Reddick. I do have some <laughs> funny Josh Reddick stories though. Um, I don't even remember the one Colin was talking about. That's how many there are. Um, I have a really funny one though. Um, so every spring training we do, you guys see like the hype videos or like the, the flashing light videos and stuff in spring training, right? So every spring training, um, they do those videos and, it takes, it's like a little production in there. Like the guys have time slots and like you kind of got to fight for like the good time slots and all this stuff, right? So I guess, I, I guess Reddick was maybe in a, I don't know if you, I don't think he was in a bad mood, but it was after he came off the fields. He's probably tired. You know, he's got to do th- this shoot and whatnot. And I'm in there and I'm getting, I'm getting like, you know, my photo shoot and all this stuff. And I'm not playing that year. This is my TJ year. So I literally don't really need any, any photos. Um, but they wanted to do me anyway. So I'm in there and Reddick is sitting there waiting for me to be done. And I'm kind of feeling bad at this point. So we get done and I'm like, yo man, sorry, bro. Like you're like, you're up. And he goes, shit, kids not even freaking playing this year. Get a whole freaking photo shoot. And I was like, dog, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of on my feet with it. I'm like, damn dog. I was like, but why are you here? Because I was told this was like the, the world series RBI, um, shoot. And he, and he was, was like, like <laughs> so um, he had, he, had, he didn't have one yet. So I kind of I kind of I kind of got him with a jab on that one. But it's light. It was it, it was light fun. I almost That's good. I was almost on the ground cringing. That is amazing. <laughs> I was like, dude. I was like, but why are you here? Because like this is this whole thing is for like guys who have RBIs in the series. So like, why are you? I I know I'm not playing this year. But like, why are you here? Last last question for you, and then I'll let you jump. 2021 World Series, it happening? Um, I think that if everyone, you know, people, when they, when they ask that, it's like there's so many things you have to take into account, right? 
I mean, but it, if we have our roster that we have right now going into the season, there's a couple of people I would like to see us add that, you know, I'm not going to get into because it's not, that's not my pay grade. Um, it's not my responsibility. But um, if we have our roster right now constructed as, as is and everyone on our team plays their, their handicap, Right, I'm not going to ask for like anyone to have a Cy Young season. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to ask for anyone just to play to their play to your handicap, and all of our guys are healthy from the you know positions and pitches, everything. I 100 percent think we'll we'll go to the World Series. Love it. Yeah, everyone's going to love here. I believe in a in a in a in a, in a playoff series, especially and everyone kind of saw it this year. We're t- we're hard to match with. We're tough to match with because. We have guys who can who who have you know we don't have like I said I said one time I said we you know we have big names you know but we have guys that you know have balls and can pitch we got guys who can play the game on um, you know both sides of the ball and you know um, so I I think that like I said if everyone just plays to par and and we have we have the health on our side uh, which in this game you know it's not the most it's obviously not the most violent game but it's the hardest I think on the body because of how long the season goes and how it's it, how every single day, I mean, you don't get any recovery period, um, you know, on the body and, you know, most of sports, I mean, football is the most violent and brutal, um, but you have those days to kind of make it up. Basketball, you know, I think has probably the, the, the best um, and hockey's tough too, but we have a tough sport to stay healthy for, for the full run. But if we, if we can, I, I think we'll be looking good. Dude, hey, oh, we know your time's valuable. Thanks for being generous. And uh, go Strohs. We love you, man. Appreciate you. All right. I'll see you hey. soon. See you Thanks, Thanks Lance. Lance. So at the end of every podcast, we like to dedicate this to a Houston legend that may no longer be with us. And this particular podcast, episode number one, we'd like to dedicate to the James Coney Island at Towning Country. Uh, many memories there. I remember the number one, uh, chili, two chili cheese conies with chili cheese fries. I enjoyed it, every moment of it, eating it in person, and also many hours later remembering that I had it. And so rest in peace, town and country, James Coney Island. Hashtag Delaware Punch. Love you, bros. Hey, love, love you, bros. And, and thank, thank you, everyone, for listening to the first episode of Schwabcast. You guys are the real heroes. Take care.